0: Hi and welcome to the Miseducation of the SLP. I am Ingrid, one of your hosts,
1: and I am Ashanti, your other host.
0: And we are here for episode 25, the end of season 1. Pew, pew,
1: pew. That's oh, that's an true. air horn just for those that aren't, you know, familiar with that noise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she came through with the air horn, guys. <laughs> So yes, we have decided by episode 25 that we're going to go ahead and take a nice, healthy, comfortable break um, through the month of December into um, our new year. We're going to probably circle back and begin on season two because with the need to change some things up, just made more sense. Let's take some time off. Plus, you know, hectic things always happen during the holidays. I hope you guys had a fantastic time with your family and friends during the previous week when we were basically under the idea of the holiday of Thanksgiving, but rejecting it because of Native American brutality, <laughs> but embracing it for the love of family and friends, but rejecting it for the genocide of an entire people, but accepting it and... <laughs> You know that dance we like to play as a society. When ultimately, I just think it's a great time to bring together people and 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 make acknowledgements of the moment. So yeah, that little dance um, is a is a regular thing I think. For if people.
1: if there ever were some conflicting thoughts about enjoying a day off, I think Thanksgiving is <laughs> is one of the main ones.
0: <laughs> I mean, we just find a reason, boy.
1: Listen, the it's arroz con gandules, the pavo, pasteles. If you're Puerto Rican, you are salivating at all of these words. It was on point.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 And I
1: was celebrating that. Like
0: with a little thing thing Nana girl. girl. <laughs>
1: I I and and raise your hand if you're guilty. I served myself a healthy plate healthy with a F not healthy healthy and then I proceeded to unbutton the top button of my jeans because I didn't wear stretchy enough pants that's 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 how and hard see, I went
0: and see I just I can't co-sign on that no you know? <laughs> no no Mm-mm. I am 37 unwed we don't eat the appropriate portion today.
1: No, yes, no. When I don't see my parents that often, and they don't cook like that every time, I'm going in. I'm going well, like girl, imagine, imagine me like opening up a a, a, a swimming cap like fra, opening it up, putting it over my afro, tucking in my afro, and then jumping in. That was me right there. Mm,
0: I hope got you got prepared. an awesome visual. He <laughs> was, you know, the eating athlete at the <laughs> moment. There are those. You know what I'm saying? In the
1: in the, in the the words of the current social media hashtags, I understood the assignment.
0: Wow. I'm look just gonna her. boom. Look at her tiktoking. <laughs> and you would think we were in our early, early, early 20s. Okay? Well, look at her tiktoking. Okay. Meanwhile, we like kissing 40 like, hey.
1: Hey, I'm like, oh, hey, boo. Hey, 40. Girl, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be there soon. I'm going to be there and soon. And I'm behind it.
0: Like, what was the assignment? What happened? <laughs> what was I supposed to be doing? That's me. Every On every curve, clearly. Because there's no kids here. There's no husband here. There's <laughs> all of the assignments that I was supposed to be completing. apparently.
1: Stop. I just.
0: You I went just, in a different direction,
1: and that's okay. I mean. Your, I mean, your journey was different.
0: Listen, I thought I was supposed to do what I want. No, no, assignment. So listen, (laughs) I learned it now, though. Let me go ahead and just snatch it in and just do what I can with my little Haitian dish. that's properly portioned that I eat like 17 times a day because portion does not mean stopping. It just means stopping.
1: (laughs) So you were more of a marathon. You were a marathon and I was a sprint. Okay. I,
0: I am a grazer. I graze. You know, I just take like. Fourteen dishes instead of three.
1: Oh, man.
0: So I operate in a, in a perfect state of homeostasis at all times. I'm never overly full and I'm never hungry because I'm always consistently present. The moment there's little twinge of like, I could fit more in. Let's talk
1: about <laughs> like this little corner right here. Boy,
0: this macaroni over here with the little crispy crust.
1: Let me just Ooh. let me
0: just break off that just that small micro section. And mm, what you talking about with the turkey over here? What's happening with that? <laughs> let me get a little skin part. Like just give me like a little slice. Don't give me the whole section. Just you know, just give me the crit- okay. That's good. And then you know the rice, the noodles, like all the things. Yeah, just tiny little portions throughout the entire day.
1: That's mm-hmm. me. Mm -hmm. No, it's okay. It's okay. Different strokes, different folks.
0: Correct. Correct. (laughs) Meanwhile, my my very Haitian father's like, I I eat once a day and he eats like a mammoth. He eats probably 75% of what's present in front of all of us. And we're just like, wow.
1: Oh, wow. He puts it away.
0: Boy. But then he don't eat breakfast. He don't eat dinner.
1: I mean, he, you know, he paces himself. That's it. Three o'clock. Three o'clock hits. If y'all black if y'all hole. didn't if y'all didn't serve yourself a dish before this hour, I'm sorry about your luck if something runs out.
0: Black hole. Three o'clock <laughs> is when the black hole arrives. <laughs> By about three forty five four, it's a wrap. And Ooh. the devastation is real. <laughs> the devastation. <laughs> it's oh. epic.
1: He leaves it looking like, what's that Avengers movie where everyone kind of, there's like tragedy, people pass away.
0: Oh, my God. So confused. What happened? What oh, my
1: happened? gosh. I didn't even see the movie, but I've heard so much about it. Oh uh, shoot. Anyway. Endgame. End game, yes. Endgame. Like, girl, don't there's... talk to
0: me about Marvel right now and have like a loss of words. What are you? Well, this <laughs> is
1: I haven't watched it and I've been meaning to get on Disney Plus and watching it in I believe it's chronological order.
0: This is a cultural phenomenon, and you're sitting here playing around with the idea that you were gonna go ahead and miss Marvel's
1: I you know it's
0: Last Avengers, like
1: But if you I... ask me about Disney Pixar movies, I am your girl. Did
0: I'm you just go saying.
1: I haven't seen Encanto yet, no.
0: I can't, I can't.
1: Because, well, I mean, it came out on Thanksgiving, did it not? Yes. I was childless for Thanksgiving.
0: What does that have to do with going to see a wonderful, beautiful movie? Clearly, I don't have no children. (laughs) By myself.
1: No, but by myself?
0: Encanto was a beautiful tale. I know.
1: I've seen the previews. I almost know all the songs because my daughter's got the preview on, like, heavy repeat on her tablet. So it's it's gonna happen. I'm just saying it's gonna happen. It's just well I for to, me. Yes,
0: it was a blessing, and I understood that I had no children to come <laughs> with me, and I was still okay because it it's a wonderful, beautiful story. So don't talk to me about your Disney expertise. Oh no, when I'm coming out of the game, authentically present for all of the joy that is Disney. Shots fired. <laughs> saying we are not talking at all about SLPs right now, and we're like, no,
1: we're not. <laughs> Anywho, so,
0: um, <laughs> on this episode, um, I did interview someone who is actually smack dab in the middle of what we would call the aging period for the SLP. We used Ooh. to be young.
1: Ooh. This this one might strike a nerve with me. Okay. Let's hear it.
0: So this is a clinician that is in that sweet zone of 13 to 16 years of experience.
1: (gasps) Ingrid, ouch. That is
0: us. Yes.
1: Aye.
0: So in that zone, you're an expertise, you know, city. You have done your craft for well over a decade comfortably. Mm -hmm. You find yourself in a position where you know exactly how to wield patient care because you are very much ingrained in this. You feel very much a person like you just don't need any type of transitionary input mm-hmm. because you have done this for such a significant period of time, an entire decade, that you are able to do whatever you need to in the environment that you've chosen to be seasoned in.
1: Mm-hmm. You've kind of shaken off the the EBGBs of the first couple of years. You're, you're coming into your own
0: Yes. Imposter syndrome is not necessarily a regular day-to-day experience Correct. you know exactly what you're contributing to the care. You feel incredibly comfortable in your own skin. That is this clinician. And it's something in that all the fighting, all the battles, all the push to become this clinician in that bubble that we all kind of find ourselves in after we've reached about 10 years of practice
1: Mm -hmm.
0: before we've gotten into 20 to 25 when we don't give a fuck. Although the veteran (laughs) SLP did. But there does come a point where you're just going through the motions and I I do see that most regularly in the either super early career people that don't really care about the career or the super aged out that's like, "Mm, I'm good, I'm solid. In the in betweenies, like um, some of us, Uh. Yeah, we we move in this space of clinical comfort comfortability. We know our clinical space. We know what Mm -hmm. we're doing. We actually feel at ease when new challenges come up because we know exactly how to critically think, assess, adjust or go through the motions of what we've been doing in such a rote manner that we completely still move um, in clinical practice with just baseline rooted behaviors. That is these years Mm -hmm. when discussing this with her um because she's a she her her like is that how that is that how that works
1: um well what's the next part of your statement
0: no i was thinking about the pronouns oh
1: the pronouns yeah she her
0: she her Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah um so when discussing things with her, the clarity that I saw in her discussions about right now is how comfortable she is with patient advocacy and clinical like, nope, mm not doing that. Mm. In the environment she's chosen to work in, it's the skilled nursing facility. So skilled nursing facilities, you know what they like to tell s- licensed speech language pathologists. Mm hmm. What their frequency should be for patients. You
1: shall see this patient X amount of times per week for X amount of minutes, which that was a rug level mentality. I'm not sure if, I I know rug levels are no longer, but I don't know that it's, yeah, but I don't know that they still are counting minutes for billing. Well, with the new
0: program that they've implemented, it really is a challenging discussion when it comes to how things are allocated. Group group therapy is actually the most optimal.
1: Mm, okay. So
0: you'll see someone who had an acute stroke in the acute environment, go to post-acute care, then come to your sub-acute care or skilled nursing facility, and they'll tell you to group them. And you're looking at them like, ah, oh, huh, this what? is an individualized care type of thing. Better yeah, oh, for oh, why? Fresh, they're a fresh <laughs> stroke. But it's pair source driven, driven,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not clinician driven. And so when she was basically explaining herself, I listened a lot to the idea that there was not any level of autonomy at all. She really, after all these years, in her sweet spot right now of expertise, Mm -hmm has to actually advocate and fight to be able to say this patient deserves this. Wow. And one beautiful way that she has chosen to do that is based on facility policy, I am recommending, and you know what facilities don't like to do? Admit <laughs> that they are. <laughs> <restraining> <laughs> care.
1: Yes. When, so you when-, call, when you call out their own very, wor- their very own words. They're like, oh, but we wrote that, but we didn't really mean it.
0: Correct. <laughs> it's a wonderful tool to mm-hmm. basically circumvent the system and say, well, my recommendation would be this, but facility policy is that you receive this amount because this is your payer source. Wow. So there is that. But with that stated, the response from upper business individuals in the company mm-hmm. that are targeting financial benefit look at her and say you are too smart for your own good
1: <laughs> and what what do they do about it
0: <laughs> i think it's really interesting that they don't think that speech language pathologists are smart the fact that she said that put me in a position where I was thinking to myself, is she the first smart speech language pathologist you've come across that can challenge your stupid ass business model and make you feel just questionable about the choices you're making or challenge you to the point where you have to yield in a way you mm-hmm. don't want to, you business driven motherfucker?
1: I imagine she's probably one of the first that, that challenged them.
0: Oh no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Is she? That's why I asked the question. Is she the first? Because to me, to hear you're too smart for your own good means you have not encountered someone equally as smart. And Mm -hmm. speech language pathologists are brilliant women, brilliant men of the, you know, four percent that are men. (laughs) Yeah. The majority of us, though, we're really smart. We're really capable to say that. We're too smart for our own. I was offended and not in the offended like, oh, my God, I'm offended. But what's your pearls? But more in the space of aren't we supposed to be smart? We got master's degrees and I've been practicing for 10 years plus. You don't think I should know what I'm doing at this point? What are you talking about?
1: Well, to take that a step further, you are aren't hiring be- prior to this person being hired, were you not looking for someone with that level of experience and expertise? Probably not. Probably not. If they, if they are surprised at being challenged in this manner.
0: Well, I think it's problematic for me because I'm like, think about a physician. Think mm-hmm. about a nurse. Think about a physical therapist. Think even about an occupational therapist. As they become more seasoned, there's a level of like understanding, respect, whatever. Mm -hmm. But speech pathologists become too smart for their own good. Are you serious? Because we won't fall in line with the idea of business practices. Is it that physicians fall in line with business practices as they get seasoned? Is that why you don't Say those things to doctors. Is it that, you know, nurses become more centralized in, in being business driven because they follow the physician's lead and physicians are more business centered? Like, what are you talking about right now when you make such a statement? And how am I supposed to feel as a professional that is here to actually do patient centered care, which is what is the bread and butter of your business?
1: Mm hmm. How I mean, what was her reaction to that statement? Was she also kind of offended in that, like, you're kind of uh, questioning my intelligence by saying that?
0: It was something of note because it was something that was brought up. Mm-hmm. And it was remembered because it really is an insulting statement that mm-hmm. if I'm willing to do what is best for my patient – What ends up coming to pass is that I'm too smart for my own good, which means I'm doing myself detriment
1: Mm -hmm. fighting
0: for this patient because your model is business centered, which has never been my priority. My priority is not your business. Mm -hmm. My priority is this patient. What are we going to do about getting what that patient needs? And it should always be healthcare's or healthcare providers focus Is how do we get the patient what they need? Why are we so driven on coloring inside the lines of business and staying within compliance? I don't get that. And that's why she seemed like such an anomaly because she did not pay attention to the lines that were driven in by business modeled situations It was more, how can I fight this battle by saying, oh, you only want me to see the patient two times a week that's an acute stroke? Let me go ahead and indicate that it's you, facility, that is guiding this so that I can put that in my doc. Oh, you don't want that in in my documentation? Okay. Mm. What I'm recommending is five days (laughs) a week. So I can either write the report that I want to write with my recommendation, or I can write the report representing your recommendation in the report to show why I'm doing it this way instead of what's scientifically proven as the optimal way for right. the deficit that has just occurred. You pick which one because she knew what to do to advocate. And that is a problem that you get to the point where someone calls you too smart. Okay. All right.
1: Hmm. You know, and it almost comes off as a, a bit of a threat Like, oh, don't be too smart for your own good. Almost just too unspoken, you know, without saying it outwardly, "Eh, you better mind your P's and Q's or else dot, dot, dot. You know, I don't know if she took it that way, but it's, that's a very heavy statement.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know that she took it that way, but Mm -hmm. um, I do know, like I said, it's of note. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think Interesting. it's something that indicates to me that she knows that people don't necessarily value this bubble of clinical excellence, of being a practitioner for this amount of time and knowing what is best for patients based on your own clinical experience outside of evidence-based practice, outside of anything else. You have literally a wealth of clinical experience underneath you to help guide you do what you need to do for what is best for patients. And so you're almost, especially if you're grounded in doing what is necessary for patients, she's an individual that was like, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly how to do it. And it was not to her benefit. And so it becomes a thing where as SLPs become aged Mm -hmm. in this profession, this sweet spot, this middle spot, when you're most enthusiastic, when you really want to do your best work because you've got the best underneath you from all the studies, all the years, all the application. Yeah. And then you're hitting ceilings. Ceilings on pay, mm. ceilings on respect,
1: mm.
0: ceilings on um, acceptance, ceilings on equality. You're hitting, he- you're hitting that in your professional arena when you have max. Yourself out of your novel stage of your youthful in exuberance and enthusiasm and curiosity. You know, these clinicians that are two, three, seven years in, I appreciate all of them doing everything, moving in these great ways. When you start to hit your ceiling, though, within 13, 15, 20 years of clinical practice, because you've been working so aggressively in these environments, then mm-hmm. what? How do you handle those challenges that still equal a lack of respect and understanding, and you know, real equality as a healthcare professional to a resident, to a family member, even to a nurse? You have those challenges, and that's the thing that I find um, really. Like a vice grip for speech pathologists in those years. What do you do then? What do you do in those years? How do you manage your feelings in those moments? What do you do, Ashanti? Because you know you're that, part of that window.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, getting upset and and you know going going to the forums and complaining about it. It's 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 just not functional. Uh, sticking to it what can be cathartic. They can be <laughs> cathartic, absolutely, because then you've got, you know, your fellow SLP that's like, girl, I've been through the same thing, or even if it's a guy, you know what, I experienced I experienced the same, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I really think if it's that – if it falls in line with your core values as a clinician, you just have to stick to it and be prepared for whatever – the result or whatever ramifications might come your way. You know, for, for this individual, for this woman, she did what she she needed to do. And she basically called them in, you know, called them out. Well, this is your, this is what you have written. This is your guys's policy, but we're not following it because of payer source. So like you said earlier, do you want me to write my recommendation or do you want me to put what you guys are telling me to do because of payer? And and that's amazing. I don't know that I've heard very many SLPs that are any at, at all that have operated in, in that manner. It's typically a well, I left the profession or I left that uh setting because of XYZ, which that was part of the part of the reason I didn't want to return to the skilled nursing setting. I'm I'm just gonna be completely honest. Of course. Um, but you know, in my setting now, advocating for myself looked a lot different. But again, you've got to advocate for yourself. You know, if if you're told a certain thing, you've got to look for a, a different avenue, a different way, a different something. Everyone so. has
0: their has their own manner. You can yeah. either dial yourself in or dial yourself out. Now After all these years of clinical practice, this SLP is going to be transitioning out of the SLP craft. Um, And her reasons had a lot to do with job security because there is a lot of instability in hours for her in the environment she's in.
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. When I was in the skilled nursing setting, there were weeks where I wasn't getting 40. I was getting maybe uh, 25. Because yeah. of when when uh um oh gosh, not caseload. It's not called caseload in the skilled nursing setting. But when the numbers dip down,
0: it is called caseload. In it's time. called
1: caseload. My bad. <laughs> there was a different word they were used. But anywho, when the caseload dips down and you're just not needed, they don't want you on the clock. Are you kidding me? They're not wanting to pay you forty hours. No way. Yes. You you're told to leave.
0: Yes. So when you get to the point where you've had to escalate yourself to 10 different pretty impositions.
1: No way. No way.
0: (laughs) When you have to get yourself with so many different things under your belt to make sure that you're able to be financially stable, um, it does become like a little bit of a rat race with your, you know, head cut off. And yeah, she had a gazillion positions at one point to that's nuts mm -hmm, to facilitate her ability to kind of stabilize income because it's like I I got caught here hopefully I can get some hours over here and it was a lot of piecemealing and when you don't want to do that Mm -hmm. you look for outlets so I
1: mean that gets really old really fast
0: certainly so she's She's taken herself from having this wonderful, beautiful master's degree to go back to school to get a, ba- you know, I'm assuming a bachelor's in nursing. Um, so she's going to nursing school.
1: Uh, <laughs> like it's a dagger in my heart.
0: I it's a dagger for me because I would never want to go back to school.
1: Right, right. Y'all like,
0: can take all of that. No, nah,
1: nah. <laughs> you're like that is not for me. That is not my journey. It's Never. a dagger in my heart because I feel like we all went go into this profession and and we go through our program our our bachelor's and master's degree programs and we are just on fire and then you do your time in the trenches and you're like come on this is this is for the birds I can't even get a full 40 I'm an adult I got adult bills I got big girl bills I don't have I'm, you know I'm not 20 something years old
0: yeah, she's a mother. She's a wife. Yeah, and the thing about her that I think is really important is that she's the mother of a biracial child, mm-hmm. and was looking at things through a lens of like, I'm in this career in an environment that they do not know things outside of their own myopic point of view. She did feel in her in her perspective that Asha was a little ignorant and missed a huge huge opportunity to really be advocates um in regards to social issues
1: she Mm. was
0: really emotional about that now i told her and i still feel to this day we we didn't see the the apta be like okay we're here for gay rights the race right you know black people like not a lot of non for profits sit there and just shout at the top of their lungs for for advocacy of things. It just mm. I don't know. It's
1: just not something that the, that is yeah.
0: It's it's pressure driven based on the people that are within it. Like you mm-hmm. know the customers of Nike press for Nike to say something or Adidas to say something. Like we want support for what we're trying to advocate for, but it's not a business agenda.
1: It, it is a needs based move. You, they have to see a need to address or to enter into a conversation of something in order to do it. They're not just going to do it out of, out, you know, with the warm fuzzies of their heart. It's, it's not Right. Happening.
0: Because it's a business. It's not exactly. a warm fuzzy feeling, right? A yeah, business right. is a business is a business. And I do not care that you are in the nat- you are the national organization for patient you know care for speech language pathology. I just don't believe in you as an organization that's going to be about civil rights. That's not really your objective or your mission. The point of your organization of your business has nothing to do with those types of things. But she felt so strongly about it. And I recognized that. And I understood her point of view. I'm just really black in it. Hmm. And because I'm really black in it, I'm like, I don't expect that from a business. Mm
1: -hmm. I I was going to say, elaborate on what that means. That is not an expectation that you hold dear to your heart.
0: No, I do Mm -hmm. not think a business is going to be here to step up for civil rights Mm -hmm. for any member of society. At any point, it will be something that is influenced by their customers, by their members, by whomever is within the body of financial stability for that organization. So it's actually the ASHA members Mm -hmm. fault. Well, and it's actually the ASHA members fault that ASHA is so damn ignorant
1: mm -hmm. about
0: all of the shit that we've been going through. We shock and awe. But if we had had more of an upset disposition as a body of speech language pathologists, they would have been paying attention sooner Yeah, and they would have done more in the past. I do understand that because the amount of movement that I've been seeing recently, because the body of slps that little tiny 8% that has Y'all been- Y'all doing stuff. Boy, making a huge difference <laughs> mm-hmm. against the rest of the organization because- We loud, proud and saying it all day, all night, to the point of having things like, you know, the social scene, Mm -hmm. the black SLP uh, conference to Latinos uniting, to the LGBTQ, to the deaf and hard of hearing, all these different disenfranchised sections of this organization are standing and looking at the organization saying, this cannot stand any longer. And the organization is like, okay, we got to adjust. Like they're immediately shifting. That could have happened at any point if any of the members would have been participants in this. But it always mm. falls on the people that are disenfranchised to make the change. And so that was what I was really trying to indicate for this clinician. Like, I do not expect the business to change. I do expect its body of people to make the difference. And so that's where I kind of fall in that.
1: Got it. Man. You got me thinking about this this small percentage that's just hooping and hollering and jumping up and down, waving their arms, hey, pay attention.
0: And a lot of the rest of them are like, oh, we should be listening. Like, Mm -hmm. this is happening. Like, we need to make some adjustments of what we're doing. The importance of making change, we have to do it by coloring in the lines. Now, I am not a color in the lines type of person, (laughs) as we all know.
1: Okay, okay.
0: That's just not what I do. I have decided that this year will be the end of my career as an SLP in the practicing form. It will not be the end of my career as an SLP in the educational form, which is what this platform is about and what will come forward from this platform if people continue to spend time here. Mm hmm. I don't know what people will be motivated in learning, but I do think that there's value in what clinicians of diversity have to say. Absolutely. And, and they can do it by coloring in the lines and doing this really appropriate cookie cutter. You know, like when I say cookie cutter, I mean it in the sense of like, we're challenging you to, the, to push and confront in the appropriate manner. I'm looking at it like, if it wasn't for you, we would not be here. So now what? Now what do you want to do in terms of evoking change? I do not want to be responsible for evoking your change. I want to be present to ask you the question as to what are you going to do to contribute to the change outside of yourself? Because mm-hmm. the majority of the SLP community remains ignorant to a lot of what the minority is talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just a constant and perseverative and present education. It is the same way that speech language pathologists are shouting at the professional environment saying we are valued members as well. We're smart. We're capable. We have our own science. We have our own research. We have a place in this that should be equal to everyone else crafting this thing for the best outcome for our patients. We're shouting that at the top of our lungs and we have no traction, we have no traction. And when it comes to the disenfranchised of this organization, the people that are not following the traditional normative look of what an SLP is or function in that same mindset, that is what we fight against that is what we're challenged against and it's the same situation if you really want to have empathy about it but will you is
1: the question. right it's much of the same but what are how how are we working to change that
0: and i don't think that <laughs> anyone who's disenfranchised isn't putting in the labor And that's really my point.
1: Mm.
0: So our organization needs to really spend time there Mm -hmm. because the disenfranchised are spending their time trying to get this organization into a better place. But I'm not here to color in those lines. I know that we need to fight. But I would really like the help of the people that are capable of seeing, okay, what we've done is wrong and what we need to do is to break open every possible book that we can to learn about things that are different than us and grow Mm -hmm. in our ignorance well not grow in our ignorance but grow in the space of understanding our ignorance or our bias or our lack of self-understanding or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be and make changes because it's upsetting on a regular basis to hear that asha is a racist organization it's upsetting as a member who has paid this organization year after year. For years. how
1: many years now? Yeah. I'm like am I a lifetime member yet? Like how does that work? <laughs>
0: I'm paying into a racist organization? Am I really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is upsetting and off-putting. Um you know, I think it also part of, you know, part of helping the grand majority into Creating change or participating in change is just, it's not only like checking the implicit biases and things like that, but it's also not taking it personal when things are brought to light. Like, hey, listen, I see that this, you know, prime example of something, you know, that I, I've i been dealing with in in the setting that i work in hey i see these kids that you know continue to be put on caseload for xyz this is why it's kind of inappropriate to to put them on there but you know let's let's take a look at why it's inappropriate or let's take a look at why this isn't really a language delay versus a language difference let's take a look at, and you know without somebody getting offended or be feeling as if they're being Oh gosh, what's the what's even the words to use? Not call it it is calling them out, but in a very professional and let's learn from this manner. I don't know if that's making the
0: level there's there's really a strong level of defensiveness. Number one, number two, Mm -hmm. there is a lack of respect for speech language pathologists and their expertise because they're you know, they're this there's this idea that we are just um, I don't know, like just number pushers that we don't actually have expertise to guide things and change things and adjust things mm-hmm. like no offense to what teachers are because they're amazing con- contributors to society at the highest level um speech pathologists is a different role yes and to not respect its its space in academics is a regular occurrence so you get a lot of defensiveness you get a lot of resistance Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and um almost you're looking down like scoffing
1: like Mm -hmm. did she just oh no she didn't (laughs) and I think a big piece of of moving forward moving into the uh, you know stepping into the right direction is getting away from being defensive and just learning from one another Certainly. Yeah.
0: Certainly. And I think if we spend some time there and really intimately involving ourselves in what is different, we'll make a huge, huge shift Mm -hmm. in what is the culture of ASHA? What is the culture of the SLP? And maybe we might, you know, pull out some of these more toxic spaces where they can't understand what it means when we discuss some of the bias and some of the, uh, the lack of patient centered and some of the overindulgence in clinician driven care and all of that, all of what that entails. Like we really need to analyze that fully and, and help ourselves as a, as a community of, of patient providers or educators, mm-hmm. because there's a good, huge, healthy portion of us that are educators that are not educating properly. We're not encouraging critical thinking. We're pushing through clinicians. We're not doing what we should do to make sure that every SLP that leaves a program is actually exceptional in doing the craft well. And CF supervisors that aren't really quality that just kind of push their clinicians through. There's so many layers to creating an excellent SLP or helping an SLP be them their fullest selves in the craft. There's so much more that could be accomplished if we were to just to allow those spaces to be critically assessed and mm. and put in their place for what's optimal. But we do need to sacrifice some ideals that it can't be done or it isn't what has been traditionally done. So what? Let's try to change it. Let's try to do something new. And for the 8%, I commend you for everything you're doing. I hope Asha takes another survey to see if maybe we've grown as a population um, because I think the eight percent probably has grown. It's been what three years since that survey? Two two years? Is it two thousand nineteen, two thousand um,
1: eighteen? I I think so. I, for some reason, I want to say that they they have you updated every time you renew. So yeah, it's every every. Not well, you pay every year, but your recertification or whatnot, you're like, it's the the three year increments where you have to do all the. The CEUs or whatnot,
0: maybe so we'll see. Will- we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, because, like I said, I don't know if it's 2018, 2019, but yeah. I'll keep my eye open on if Asha exposes that. I obviously can't keep my eye open throughout the entire time, believe, <laughs> because I'm letting my membership lapse. But I know yeah. people. I know. People. Yeah,
1: no. When you know when I when I pay mine, I'll let you know what the questions are because I I want to say. They're taking a closer look, and every time you you go through and pay it, you have to answer some some new questions.
0: So as long as I have my in girl, that's all that matters.
1: I got you, boo. I got you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, there's still so much more that we can unpack, discuss, and engage in, but we're gonna have to go ahead and bow out on this conversation and revisit the miseducation of the SLP starting in the new year. I do appreciate all of you who have rocked with us since the beginning and stayed with us since the beginning from episode three when it really blew up. And I wanna thank so many of the supporters that have been out there that have um, chosen to partake in our episodes, chosen to contribute to our topics and chosen to be just a present force in pushing for more exposure. So I want to thank all of you guys for that, for sure. Um, Not sure what audience we're going to be coming back to in the new year, but we hope that you join us and we hope that you miss us because I know that we'll miss you. And um, please don't hesitate to reach out to the Miseducated SLP on IG, the Miseducated SLP podcast on Facebook, Or email slp at gmail.com. We absolutely will be paying attention, writing, being present, you know. And uh, yeah, I may every now and then see something on social media that I'll just have to highlight on the IG, you know what I'm saying? Like, who knows? But I appreciate all of you guys. I know um, we will enjoy returning back to you once all of this is cleaned up. Hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful enjoyment time with this episode. I know I did. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Did you, Ashanti?
1: I did. I did.
0: (laughs) We kept it light. We kept it fun. We kept it real. This is true. Always and forever, girl. Yeah.
1: Oh, 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 don't make me start singing.
0: Always, Always and forever, forever. <laughs> Always and forever. Ooh,
1: ooh, get that baritone, get those notes.
0: What's that nineteen nineties girl? <laughs> anyway, I want to say goodbye. No, oh, I shouldn't say no, like
1: no, no. Well, no, you could sing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. Got the little tickle in my throat. Got to go take some Alka-Seltzer cold and flu. Word. Make sure, make sure it doesn't progress.
0: Word. <laughs> do you, boo, do you?
1: I, I shall, I shall.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Yes,
1: yes. Have a great day.